This episode of Control-Alt-Delete is supported by City Cards with Android Pay. Listening on your phone? Now you can pay while you listen, using the same device. Just tap and go. Download the Android Pay app on Google Play or visit city.com slash Android Pay to get started. Android Pay is available for eligible city, consumer, credit, and debit cards. Hello, and welcome to Control-Alt-Delete. An unnaturally smooth podcast from TheVerge.com. <laughs> That's, I, I knew you'd like that one, Walt. Uh, that comes from DaveCon5 on Twitter. It's at Dave underscore Conklin, C-O-N-K-L-I-N. If you like it, say hello. We love it when you send intros, so keep sending them. Anyhow, I'm Neil Patel. I'm the editor-in-chief of The Verge. I'm joined, as always, by my friend, noted gadget optimist, Walter Mossberg. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Walt... You you like loved an iPad accessory this week out of, I, out of nowhere. I loved an iPad accessory. Oh, I should also say, episode forty of our show. We've done forty yeah. of these things. It's incredible. It's been the most. I know, fun. just the most fun. And and the people who listen, we can't thank you enough. It's been it's been really fun to watch the audience grow and build and have all these interests sent in and all that sort of stuff. So I have to say the same thing. I mean, I'm so grateful that people enjoy it. And somebody somebody tweeted today that he had listened to the last one twice, and <laughs> I uh, tweeted back that I wasn't sure if two listens was sufficient to fully decipher <laughs> what we were saying. Hey, hey, look! If you were listening last week, Walt turned off motion smoothing on his TV. <laughs> I it did. happened. The the <laughs> he kicked a hornet's nest and the nerdy <laughs> hornets came out <laughs> <laughs> and I capitulated. What can so, I say? Do you like it better? Can you? Are, I do like it. Uh, I like it better. Uh, the picture's still great. I do have to say, and this is going to be a segue, oh, yeah. so buckle in. Uh, <laughs> uh, I do have to say that it's a little. Uh, I've been tempted to turn it back on during the Olympics. Oh really? Because some of the sports things work better with motion smoothing. Absolutely. On OLED screens and other kinds of uh, other kinds of uh, LED screens. Sports in particular is what it's for, you know. That's right. But here is the segue. All right. You and I have reviewed many products. Many, many uh, products. Over many years. I've even reviewed more than you, I think. <laughs> and I have to say that if I were reviewing the NBC cover to the Olympics, it would yeah. be an F. Oh, yeah. It is the worst. It's very bad. Cluster whatever <laughs> that you can imagine. I'm, 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 I'm going to try to be clean here because I noticed uh, iTunes gave us an explicit on our last podcast. Oh, look, I have very strong feelings with <laughs> <when> motion smoothing. <laughs> and, I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, if it's not bad enough that they're acting as if there's no internet. Yeah. I mean, they act as if none of us knows what happened. We all know what happened. Mm-hmm. We've seen pic- we've seen the information, we've seen the pictures, sometimes even uh, video, which I suppose is not uh, legal, but people take it with their phones or whatever. Mm-hmm. So so we all know. So and then they delay it and then they show it at night and by the way they make everybody in the West Coast wait, which is another another ridiculous thing. But here's the thing. They're already packaging it, and they're already delaying it, and yet they have no accurate listing of when each sport is going to start in their artificially packaged nighttime presentation, which lasts four hours. So if you don't care, and I'm one of those who don't care, about men's beach volleyball, Mm -hmm. 
not involving the United States. <laughs> and, and I'm sure those are wonderful athletes doing a wonderful job. It's just not my thing. But I do want to see the women's gymnastics or the swimming or whatever. You can't tell when one ends and one starts. Yeah. They really are just package them into shows because that's what they're doing anyway. Have you tried using the iPad app? Oh, oh. Don't even get me started. Because <laughs> oh my god, that's the real. That's where they really fell down. I mean, it barely scrolls. Yeah. I mean, it, it's. I wrote today on Twitter that it was like a beta of a Web 1.0 app mm-hmm. or something. I mean, it's it's horrible. Yeah. Even if even if you're just trying to look at the schedule and nothing else, it's horrifically terrible. And then once you actually do get it to stream something, yeah. most of it doesn't have commentary. So it's. You either there's no middle ground between hundreds of raw feeds on a tablet or the overproduced time delayed spectacle on television. Like I, I would much prefer I think for the big events in particular to get sort of a little bit of production value. There's value to that. But yeah, it's that app that every year or every Olympics you know, they try again, and it's like four years after the last one was a mess. Here's another one that's a mess. But I, I, what I thought was interesting about the app and connects to something we talked about in the show, the switch to have it send you notifications is always on the screen. Yeah. It, that whole UI is geared around getting you to accept notifications for live events. Uh, you're absolutely right. And it's just, I mean, can you imagine what life would be like with that on? I mean, <laughs> it, it's just like... Like here's dressage between <laughs> Fiji and uh, Fiji and India. Yeah, I mean you know, love Fiji, love India, not <laughs> love so dressage. much, not so much dressage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's but, a real, it's a real mess. I mean, I think that you know their ratings were down. Yeah, and there's a lot. A, there's a lot of conversation about why, but I think it's because we all already know. Well, right? it's it's two things. We already know, and we know, and we don't know. So. We know the results, but we don't know when to turn on to see the acting out of the thing we already know the results of. Like, it's conceivable you might know that the women, the U.S. women's gymnastics team, won for the second time in a row the all-around gold. Mm-hmm. And still want to see it. Yeah. Right? But they, you can't find out when it's on. It's just a giant, undifferentiated block of cheese from <laughs> <laughs> from 8 to midnight with no you don't know what's going to you know are they going to start with swimming or are they going to start with gymnastics or are they going to intersperse some other sport that you you might like better or then a bunch of human interest profiles oh yeah those are the and, best and many 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 commercials yeah so it's just a giant i just aw- wish that awesome app was mess. better i mean it, it it struck me as do you remember, I mean, ages ago, I must, this must have been like 92, NBC had the red, white, and blue channels. They, like, oh, they yeah. did a whole thing with the Olympics. They, they launched three cable channels in red, white, and blue, and that was how you got all the, the sort of the massive, this is obviously pre-internet video. But it just occurred to me that what they should have released is like an Apple TV app that just like that just lets you consume the Olympics on your television in any way that you want. And it's kind of the dream. And it's just, instead, it's this, like, pretty bad mobile. And it would have been very easy. Or they could have have done six Apple TV apps. Seriously. Mm -hmm. They could have grouped the sports. uh, I don't know how, but, I mean, in certain ways. And just given you six apps so you weren't overwhelmed. Like, this app has 
these sports. This other app has these other sports. And here's the thing. There are people they could have consulted. They could have consulted Bob Bowman at MLB who know, who who not only knows about the back end and, and Disney just invested a bunch of money in them, but you know they do, have done a very good job with something that actually is not as exciting in the moment as some of the Olympic, a lot of the Olympic sports, which is baseball. And you know they with lots of stats and there's plenty of people who understand how to put uh, sports into good apps, and they just didn't talk to any of them apparently. Right. Well, I mean, there's, so to be fair, there is the general NBC sports app. That's the app we're talking about. And it's been sort of re-architected for the Olympics. And that app is on the Apple TV. What I mean is a dedicated custom. Yeah, I know. I know. I know exactly what you mean. That's what they should have done. Yeah. That they, you know, however many billions they paid for this and are getting for it uh, in in ad sales, they could have spent (laughs) $100,000. Which is a lot, which is more than they have to, but they could have spent a hundred thousand dollars and done a nice app for your for your phone, for your Apple TV, whatever, and then been in lived lived in twenty sixteen, like the rest of us. But anyway, I just wanted to get that rant out. No, I think it's I, I I've seen it all over. Tw- it's it's funny. There's more Olympics to consume in the media ecosystem than ever before, but it's so much harder to consume it that I just haven't seen much of it. And I, I think that's true for a lot of the people that I'm talking to, that I kind of know more about what's going on with the Olympics because it's so much more present in all of my feeds. But actually watching it is turned out to be much harder this year than any time I can remember previously. But you know what you can watch it with? What's that? You can watch it with an iPad Pro. There you go. Nine, 9.7 inch, equipped with a very, <laughs> very nice new Logitech keyboard. So, we, good segue, by the way. You, you've nailed it, segueing into and out of the Olympics. Yes, that gold was my medal. goal for today. Thank <laughs> <Gold> you. Gold medal. <laughs> That's a terrible <laughs> Olympics you. reference. Uh, no, so you, we've talked about the iPad Pro on the show a number of times. We've talked about the iPad generally. We've talked about Apple and its its tablet strategy generally, pushing it into corporations. There's some, some stuff yes. to talk about there. We've talked about the Mac. But your I thought your headline today was kind of summed it all up, which was the iPad Pro becomes a really great laptop with a third-party keyboard, right? I mean, yeah, that, that it, was, could be your, it could be your lightest laptop thanks to Logitech, yep. So tell me about – and here's what's interesting. I think obviously – you know, when we do reviews, there's a news cycle, and sometimes the products are new. But you just went out and bought this and decided that you should write about it. That's right. Uh, so here, here's the short story. Uh, the iPad Pro, unlike other iPads, uh, has a connector, like the Microsoft Surface Pins connector, into which you can snap a keyboard. That means you don't have to pair it with Bluetooth. It means you don't have to charge it separately. Uh, and they and Apple makes its own key, keyboard, which... I happen to dislike both because it does not have real key motion and because uh, the key layout is such that they don't have any special iPad keys and they don't have any backlighting. When the giant original 13-inch iPad Pro came out, which I thought was had other problems, it was too bulky and I don't think there were a lot of apps for uh, outside of maybe enterprise now that work with it with the much bigger screen, that the this Logitech, which has been making accessories for everybody, but I guess especially for Apple for a long time, time, 
uh, came out with this thing called the Create Keyboard, and it was 12.9 inches, and it, and it was, and I happen to mention in passing in my review that I liked it better than the Apple Keyboard, but it was like two lines. Then when they brought out the 9.7 inch Pro, uh, I liked it a lot better than the Big Pro, but I still didn't like the Apple Keyboard, so I bought the Pro, mm -hmm. and I waited for somebody to come out with a non-Bluetooth snap-on keyboard, and last week Logitech shipped a 9.7 inch create keyboard yeah J just like the one i had looked at for the uh, bigger one uh and oddly th they didn't do a pr pitch or anything i just immediately ordered it got it decided i really liked it and decided to write about it uh i think you know it has its flaws it's not perfect but i think between the two of them i found i could really be super productive on the iPad. Yeah. I mean, I think the it's funny because Logitech has been making really great Bluetooth keyboards for iPads forever, I think. Right. We, we, we have a, a bunch of them just sort of in our in the office here. And they're all really nicely designed. The keys work. And I, I just see them whenever I take a flight, I just see hundreds of iPads with Logitech keyboards clipped to them in one way or another. Right. And it's interesting that with the Pro, they added the smart connector and Apple built this keyboard. And some people like it, but I'm with you. It is just, I don't get it at all as a product. It just doesn't feel nice to type on. And if the whole goal is to get people to use them as laptops, you've got to deliver the best possible keyboard. And Apple for the, long for the longest time has, has built really nice keyboards. I think the the one on the the MacBook Pro, not the little MacBook, but the one on the MacBook Pro is really great. The desktop keyboards have been great. Uh, the Apple Extended Keyboard Two is like legendarily great, um, and that's like twenty years old. I think the new it's weird. The new the the Retina MacBook, the little one. You and I both agree that keyboard it takes a little bit of adjustment to get used to. I don't like it. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm I'm tougher than you. It's I a mean, little it's a little too small for my hands actually. Uh, our friend uh, who we always mention, <laughs> we got to get him on the show. De Dieter Bone, yeah. he likes it, and he also says he's managed to get used to the iPad uh, one from Apple. I, I I think you and I just don't agree with that. Um, yeah. it's a, it's I, just a little bit too small. That's that's really little, my big complaint. It's a little bit too small. I really have trouble with the no, with the no travel. You know, Apple is sort of on this things that don't move but feel like maybe they might move. No, really, the for, that's the whole force touch, the whole force touch thing. Like somebody and and I, I honestly, if you want to know the truth, I really think it's got to do with it's a hallmark of the post Steve Jobs era where Tim Cook, to his credit knew what he didn't know, so he turned it all over to Johnny Ive, and that's fine, because Johnny Ive is a world-class designer, but there's been a certain design over functionality, which Apple's been accused of in the past, but it's really kind of an extreme level. And I think, so I think, you know, this idea of, let's just make all this solid, and we'll take, everything will be thin. Everything yeah. is really thin, and we'll take mechanical aspects out of everything. Uh, I think has probably jumped the shark a little bit there. Yeah. Um, it's like an idealism. Concept. It's like a, a, an unnecessary yeah. idealism. Yeah, and, it, and look, it, it works okay on the on the touchpads, on the new uh, laptops where they put it. But I think the keyboard on the, the new little MacBook and the keyboard that they built for the iPad Pro, uh, I, just don't, I just don't think they work. And it's not just the touch and feel of the keys – it's also Apple built a keyboard that doesn't have backlighting. <laughs> I mean, right. I, I really, seriously, and Apple built a keyboard that doesn't have Apple, the co company that claims it 
music is in its DNA, mm -hmm. did not build a keyboard which allows you to change the volume or allows you to skip songs. Yes, some listener is about to write us, so I better say it. There are keyboard commands for a bunch yeah. of those things. But keyboard, you know, that's like Apple imitating DOS. I mean, it's just not Apple-esque in my opinion. So Logitech's keyboard is much more Apple-esque. Uh, and uh, I really – but you also get the advantage of – autocorrect and shortcuts like, you know, hitting the space bar twice for a period. That still is there. And on the Logitech keyboard, but not on the Apple keyboard, you can call up the software keyboard at any time you want, even if even if the hardware keyboard is attached. Oh, really? Yes. And there are some instances in which, depending on the way you're sitting or your reach or, you know, how cramped things are, you might want the software keyboard for some reason. You can call it up. Well, so I get, think it'd be really interesting to have the hardware keyboard, and then uh, you know, with the software keyboard, you can use all the alternative keyboards. So that you know, like the Google keyboard has really great GIF search, or if you want to do emoji, there's a bunch of reasons I could say that you'd want to bring up a software keyboard. Yeah, and and well, both keyboards also have a sort of that globe key that Apple uses to indicate switching keyboards, but. I don't entirely know how you would do it on the hardware keyboard. I think you need the software for that. Yeah. So I just thought, to me, this completed a circle mm -hmm. uh, because I already had decided that while I didn't like the original iPad Pro, I thought the 9.7 was a size that was you know, easy to handle and the apps fit it perfectly, the tablet apps, of which Apple has about a million including, by the way, many productivity apps that aren't necessarily enterprise apps, but productivity apps and creativity apps. Uh, and it just didn't have a good keyboard, and now it does. And by the way, one little tiny thing that yeah. is nice about this keyboard that the big version of it didn't have is it has a pencil holder. Yeah, I think that's it, great. It, I mean, you know, it's like a loop of, of plastic that holds the pencil, but it holds it. So why couldn't Apple do that? Right. I mean— uh, it just, it's just, I don't, I don't know. It's so disappointing in some ways. But so Logitech did this. Now it's, it's a little different in that. How Apple's, much does it cost? Oh, sorry, costs about 130 bucks, and Apple's is 149 bucks. It's ridiculous. And Logitech's, and, and Logitech's has real moving keys. Yeah, it has backlighting, and it costs 19 bucks less. <laughs> and and it's a case. Right. So, so it, now they're not claiming it's going to protect the iPad against you know drops from ten feet or anything, but it certainly will prevent protect it against spills and you know just jar uh, jarring yeah. around. It's an overall case to cover when you close it. The whole thing is encased in it. Obviously, it has cutouts for the cameras and the buttons and all that stuff, and it it's made of a of a kind of woven material that is stiff so it's not fantastic looking mm -hmm. but it's fine and it adds weight any keyboard adds weight but it, but apple's keyboard is lighter cuz it's not a whole case around and the total weight of the thing with the case is still just a tad less than the little macbook yeah and, and i think that's tolerable and i was saying right before we started the show you never know what's going to hit, what's going to speak to the audience. And I, th this review of an iPad keyboard was the top of the site all day today. There's an extraordinary amount of interest 
in taking an iPad and putting a great keyboard on it and turning it into this little laptop replacement. And I just, sometimes you just don't see it coming. And it was, it literally, it's been one of the most popular posts on the site all day today. And I think that is actually, it speaks to kind of a moment generally in the industry. There's an Apple, but then also kind of specific to Apple. There's an event coming up in September, we think. You know, there's been some leaks. Uh, Bloomberg, Mark Gurman at Bloomberg had a piece today about new MacBook Pros with maybe an OLED screen instead of function keys. Apple's Mac lineup is ancient. It, I mean, literally, their oldest computer, they still sell a four-year-old computer. Sam yeah. Byford just wrote about that on our site. But there's a moment, I think, of a refresh cycle happening. People who have older laptops, who have older iPads, and they're kind of people are just kind of like looking at what's the next thing to get, what's the next upgrade, and the amount of choices is like fairly low. And so this is like very tempting if you live a primarily kind of mobile lifestyle. And I think the other thing people are choosing are Chromebooks, and it's kind of like what is that traditional laptop for outside of working is really is a question mark. And then next to that, there was some data that came out this week. I don't remember the, the firm. I'll have to look it up real quick. Apple's iPad sales are almost entirely into the enterprise. The consumer iPad sales yeah. are not growing, but enterprise iPad sales are doing great. And so there's just like, it's just a lot of threads. I don't think there's a conclusion there. but No, but I think this. I think, and you know, I mentioned this briefly in the column. Look, there's a segment of people that do things. I think of video editing, for instance, where they want and need ports and where they need desktop software, and even the greatest keyboard on even the best iPad, and this iPad Pro is a terrific iPad, maybe the best tablet anyone's ever built. Let me it's, just let me just do this. It's, it's from Forrester. Uh, ha- half of iPad sales are to corporations and governments, uh, and high-end iPad sales in particular. Yeah, not surprising. But what I was about to say is, I think for some people, this is never going to be an adequate substitute for a laptop. So I hope they keep making laptops. But it's the 80-20 rule. I honestly think if people examined what they do for what they call work, and I don't mean that in a sarcastic way, they do things this iPad can handle with ease. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't really open, you know, more than a couple of windows at a time if you think about it. They don't really they don't really need the full version of Photoshop, the iOS version or or Microsoft Office. The uh, you know, the presentation, the PowerPoint presentation you can make in Microsoft Office for the iPad, which is a wonderful app by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it covers, again, the 80-20 rule, covers 80% of the presentations anyone would want to make, whether you're editing it, whether you're creating it, whether you're just reviewing it, you know, and, and, and making uh, annotations and uh, or, you know, you know, notes. It does that. And so there's always this intention to – we talked about it uh, with regard to Office on the Desktop, I think, in the last podcast. There's always this idea that it has to cover every possible use case, and it doesn't. It has mm-hmm. to cover the bulk of the use cases. And I'm not even talking about playing games and watching videos and reading books and all the other things people do on iPads, content consumption. I'm talking about productivity. You can do productivity on this thing. You could do it without a keyboard, by the way. Right. Uh, and I have done it. You've seen me. You've sat next to me while we were li- <laughs> live blogging. Yep. Everybody has a laptop. I have an iPad mini, and I'm in the live blog. You know, But with this keyboard, you could be way more productive. I, I wrote that whole column on it, and I could write all, all my columns on it. And, and have no and, and I don't did not feel like I was compromising at all. 
we used to have a rule. We, we still generally have this rule that if you're reviewing a laptop, you had to write the laptop review on the laptop. Because that's yeah. the only way that you can really understand the keyboard is by doing a lot of writing on it. But we haven't reviewed a laptop in, in a minute. And I think the, I mean, I, we've reviewed some Chromebooks. I think we just did this as my next on Chromebooks. And I reviewed the HP Spectre Oh, right. Uh, you reviewed the Spectre. Ago, yeah. um, but that was, that was several, I guess, only a few weeks ago. Time, look, time is a mystery, okay? Everything <laughs> yeah. happens all at once and nothing happens at the same <laughs> time. Well, I think my, my point there is that idea of the classic laptop, you know, it might be ready to change, but I couldn't, I couldn't tell you that I could work on an iPad today, right? And I, there's just a, it's 80-20 rule. And I think I just need to do too many things at once. And I like having a 15-inch screen and that's it. I'm just going to wait for a new Mac to come out. At the same time, you know, I saw Tom Warren tweeted your column and he's like, the Surface has been doing this. You know, they're just getting closer and closer to the idea of what Microsoft's idea about the Surface. He also had a post today. Uh, Microsoft, you know, he had a, a pretty good leak today about Microsoft expanding the Surface line into, into all-in-ones. Into all-in-ones. Yeah. And so, you know, I just look at that and you see Apple with its two, well, I mean, they have four platforms, but the two ones that are relevant here, Mac OS and OS X. I'm sorry, and I, Mac OS and iOS. The Mac OS to OS X thing is is still confusing me in my head. Yes. But Mac OS and iOS. I can tell. Yeah. Uh, they've got their two platforms. They're not converging as much as they were at one point. They're kind of divergent. And you see iOS sitting in that middle zone, whereas Microsoft is like Windows, just use Windows. But Yeah, but here, here's the, the finish your butt and then I'll. Oh, yeah. No, I was just going to say the hardware side of that equation, it's it's crazy to think Microsoft's hardware strategy for that kind of converged device is more mature, a little bit better thought out, makes a little bit more sense, is more ergonomic on the Surface side than it is on the iPad side, especially if you just look at Apple's first party stuff, right? I mean, you're saying the keyboard is no good. You got to go to this third party keyboard. Microsoft has it figured out on the hardware side. It's really a question of the software. Yeah. But the software is, is, is enormous. And here's a couple of reasons. If you walk down the aisle of, a, of an airplane, as you mentioned before, and you do see people on a surface, and you will usually see a few, they're not using tablet apps. Microsoft has yep. provision for tablet apps in there. Uh, Windows 8 was an attempt to actually sort of a coup to try to promote tablet apps over the old desktop apps. It failed. They still are hoping and trying to get people to do tablet apps. Nobody's using them. If you look at a Surface and you really look at what people are doing on it, they're running desktop apps. It's always just, Excel. I always, always see yeah, Excel. It's Excel or or occasionally maybe Word or PowerPoint. Yeah. That's what they're doing. And they're doing it, and it might as well be five years ago on uh, <laughs> on a Windows laptop. No, seriously. And and Apple has instead gone after and really tried to create a category of, of tablet productivity apps. Oh, and also, of course, games and, uh, you know, lots of other things. But productivity and creativity apps for the iPad, they've done it. Now they're doing a separate category, which apparently from the figures you read me is working well, which is enterprise ones. I mean, apps that are not even designed for the general uh, information worker to use, but for the employees of, of a certain company that need a certain internal app. IBM has, has written a couple hundred of those and is using them to help Apple sell iPads into the enterprise. 
So uh, there, that's a big difference to me in the Microsoft Apple strategy. The Surface, you know, the Surface is a pretty good tablet, like the, any tablet, including this uh, iPad Pro with the Logitech keyboard I wrote about. It works best on a desk. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not called a laptop, and it isn't a laptop because its screen is heavier than its base, which makes it difficult to balance properly uh, on a laptop. Microsoft has a kick uh, kickstand, but I don't think that fully solves the problem. Uh, and you know, there are some there's some disadvantages to it. It's why Microsoft did a traditional-looking laptop and is now apparently doing all-in-ones. But the software is is the key difference here. And Apple just has – they're not trying to put their Mac desktop software on this, and they have built up a gigantic storehouse of tablet software. This is separate from phone software. Right, and now they're you know they're changing the App Store to try to juice the you know have a different relationship with your your pro software. You know, pay for it as a subscription over time. So there's room there, but I I think I keep coming back to what you're saying with the eighty twenty rule. If you if that twenty percent isn't there, you still need to run to a traditional laptop. And I think that's that's the one where I you understand why an enterprise would want to buy and provision a ton of iPads, right? You've got one custom, you know, business application that you need 500 field agents to use. Right. And you don't have to worry about malware. You don't have to worry too much about hackers. You don't have to worry, you know, about people loading on their custom software because it all comes to the app store. So you can, you know, can be provisioned and approved correctly. There's a million reasons why you'd want to give people a small, high powered, very portable tablet that you kind of have tight control over versus a laptop. It's a computer. I mean, it's a very, it's a very powerful little computer. Right, but I'm saying it's just the nature of iOS means it's, it's just, lo- it's more locked down. You, c- you can't screw it up as much as you can screw up a Windows PC. Right. Uh, just by the nature of the. Well, the and it's even system. more, it's even more locked down for enterprises. Right. Uh, uh, you know, they don't even they they can actually I think I could be wrong about this, but I think they can actually sort of substitute the enterprise app store for whatever company it is. Uh, there's a lot of ways they can, uh, you know, administer that. Yeah, but as a primary computer for most people, I still, I, I just, man, I, I would, I would still take a phone and a laptop over an iPad, even with a great keyboard. And I think it's just there's so many things that I want to do inside of that twenty percent. Even something as stupid, you know, the Olympics that we're talking about, streaming the Olympics on a laptop. Because the NBC stuff is so chaotic and bad, it's it's almost just easier for me to use my laptop in a real web browser and just like go to NBC, log in, and get it done versus using their bad app. And it's just that's another place where my laptop is better at the thing I want to do than uh, a mobile device. And I think that is that's the split. It's just right now, you know, as we're talking, I've got a browser, I've got Twitter, I've got Slack, I've got email. I'm not looking at them. I'm paying attention to our conversation. I assure you. But, but I'm sorry. That, I'm sorry. I was looking at you're checking your email, Walt. Slack. Uh, yeah, but like <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like I wanted to look something up, and I was just able to quickly do it on, on my laptop when we're talking about the the sales data. It's but, just uh, but, that uh, kind uh, of thing constantly happens right. to me with a laptop. Right. So you should do what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But I'm. But you're in the twenty. Would I you think get rid that, of your? Would you get rid of your laptop? Not quite yet. But I could. Here's how I have already gotten rid of it to a considerable extent. I have two working, active uh, Mac laptops. One a Pro and one an Air. And I just don't. The only thing I used them heavily for was writing. Mm-hmm. And now we'll see. But now I think 
I'm going to try to write on this because I use this for almost everything. I mean, it's fantastic. The screen, by the way, is one of the best screens you can buy and look at, period. It just is. Yeah. Uh, on this, particularly on this Pro uh, with the True Tone. And I watch a ton of video on it. Yeah. Already. And I listen to music on it. I mean, even if you don't use headphones, it now has four speakers. They're really good. I mean, they're not something that I think an audiophile would go crazy about, but they're loud and they're they're nice. And it has, you know, you can have two apps running at the same time. And you have a little that thing called Slide Over, which we've uh, talked about in our uh, stories many times. I used it all through while writing yesterday. I had Slack open. I had Twitter open on the side, and it was not a problem. So I felt like I was in command of what I needed to be in command of without jumping through hoops or going crazy. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the move, right? You, the iPad is still limited to, to some extent where you, to get it to do everything a laptop can do, sometimes you got to jump through some weird hoops. But from I think what you're saying is for most people, you don't. I have to say, I was just thinking about this. As, as you were talking, I I felt most productive with computers just after, like, the first iPhone came out. And I mean this in the sense that my, you know, it had come out. It, w- it hadn't yet become the iPhone. It was a very interesting thing to, like, talk and look at and think about. But all of my primary computing activity happened on a laptop. It was how I communicated with everybody. It's how I made everything. All my photos are going through it. I wasn't taking hundreds of, you know, mediocre <laughs> mobile right. photos all the right. time. Uh, so I was taking, I had like real cameras. And I just, in that moment, compared to now, when I'm surrounded by screens, surrounded by computers, just that little bit of like focus, like this is the only computer in my life. I, I was, I, I, I'm probably wrong. I'm probably far more productive now, but I definitely feel like, I was more focused, productive, had better workflows than now, you know, it's 10, 8, 9 years later. Now when everything is like broken up into a cloud and like I'm I have all these different options of how to use the internet, but no, there's no focus or great workflow that is natural between them. Well, maybe the, I'm just being cranky. No, I <laughs> <laughs> you are you are cranky. Uh, the staff, uh, the, whereas I'm sunny, I, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sunny. The the staff has been talking about your decline in productivity, so that may <laughs> this may be the explanation. I, Finally, you know, I the one year performance review I so desperately needed. Yeah, <laughs> episode um, fifty two is going to be a real mm, brutal one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give each other performance reviews. Um, no, the laptop is a wonderful thing. I've said before that, in particular, the I think the MacBook Air is the best laptop yeah. ever made. I know that as I walk by in our offices here, and you know, I'm I guess most re- uh, listeners know by now that you're in New York, I'm in D.C. We're both in Vox uh, offices, Vox Media offices, and you know, you see folks with uh, Airs and a lot of Pros, uh, MacBook Pros connected to giant monitors, and you know. There's lots of work that could get done on those that might not be able to get done even on the iPad Pro. But I think it's way closer than it ever has been, and it's tantalizingly close if you're not, you know, like take this office. We have journalists here. They are writing stories. They are looking around for art to put in those stories. They are obviously doing lots of communication, engagement, 
stuff on social media. Mm-hmm. They are they're doing stuff you can do on an iPad Pro. They are. Then we have sections here of people who are doing video editing and video production. And for them, I I readily agree. It's probably better for them not to rely on an iPad Pro. You will find people doing it. Uh, It's possible, but it's much better to do it on something different. But journalists aren't so different from a lot of other professional, (laughs) professional, you know, uh, information workers. Except journalists can be replaced by robots, apparently. (laughs) At any moment. Trunk trunk comes for us all. Trunk. Yeah, isn't somebody... The Washington Post, I think, is writing Olympic stories uh, using robots. Using I, I bots. think AP is experimenting with earnings, right? Because yeah, well, earnings. I mean, geez, uh, God, <laughs> earnings was the was the stuff when I first joined the Wall Street Journal. They would give you earnings to do if you had no status in the office. <laughs> you were basically were a bot, un- 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 unless it was an interesting earnings story. Then somebody senior would take it away from and you swoop and swoop in. Write it. But it was just sort of a grinded out, you know, blah, blah. Neelai Corporation had earnings and nobody knows what Neelai Corporation does and nobody much cares about the earnings. Then then the rookie got it, you know. And so there's no reason not to have yeah. a bot, bot uh, do that. And that's, that's the guy with the iPad with a bad keyboard. And then you step up and you get the good keyboard when you get the good keyboard. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I like I said, I think we're just in this moment when what is a computer and what computer should you have has been settled in a a way that I think all of us were expecting, but it's happening a little bit faster, that your phone is your primary computer. It's the most important computer that you own. We all care about it. And now the secondary constellation of devices to your, I mean, there's a reason you wrote about a keyboard. They're kind of centered on efficient input. And, you know, when you're talking about video editors, they're centered around, well, you need a great, graphics card and a lot of memory and a lot of storage so you can like handle video but for the vast majority of people like you're saying information workers casual consumers maybe you just need a great keyboard so you can do a bunch of typing and a nice screen and that'll that'll do it for you but i would pick i would still if you gave me the choice between an ipad with this logitech keyboard and a chromebook i I would still maybe pick the chromebook just you know i value that that full-on desktop browser uh pretty highly I'd rather have that than the. the I actually think the iPad browser, uh, particularly on the larger iPads, uh, Mm -hmm. is very similar to a desktop browser. It's not identical, but I you 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 do get in many not all, but in many cases you get the desktop site or something that looks very much like the desktop site. Like if I go to the Verge, Mm -hmm. we we have I know we have three versions: one for phone, one for tablet, and one for. No, we only have one. It's a responsive website. It's a whole, never mind. But yeah, no, yes, but right. we but have breakpoints. Yeah. In our, if we look at our previews, we have little things we can click to look at it in different yeah. widths. I, I just think I don't feel like uh, on the phone. I definitely feel like it's. I'm looking at a different browser experience. Not only on our our site, but on a lot of sites. And on the iPad, I don't. I don't feel like I'm looking at a, a particularly different one than on my laptop. And frankly, some things. I mean. I prefer the Facebook app on an iPad to Facebook in the browser on uh, a MacBook Air. Yeah. I do. Yeah, there's something to be said for that. I don't know. I think maybe maybe this is just me and Dieter. We're going to die in this open open. No, you're not. Alone. You're not. There's a lot of people like <laughs> you, and I, I may be in the minority here, but I 
given the response to the column, you can see there are a lot of people who have iPads. They, they're not placing them very fast, but they have them, and they'd think about this Pro if it had a better keyboard. And I think that was a lot of the reason people were interested in, in the review. In fact, I would make the case that the 9.7-inch iPad Pro, which is a very fast, powerful computer with a fantastic screen, plus this keyboard or somebody else comes up with a good keyboard, and there probably will be, mm -hmm. is what the MacBook should have been. Oh, interesting. Instead of having that flat-ass keyboard they have <laughs> on there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Apple, they're, they're, everything's going to get thinner and shallower. I would not going to stop them. Yeah, but I, I like thin also, and they and look, they pull off some pretty good miracles of battery life while uh, while making them thinner. But I think they may be running up against against the end of that. I don't know. Yeah, and, and if that MacBook had a real decent keyboard on it, I would probably already own it and be using it. I, there's a lot of pressure on this upcoming MacBook Pro. I think there's a lot of people who've just been holding it. I'm one of them who've been holding out for something faster and if it doesn't deliver or you know it's got a weird keyboard that's hard to use or something else you know it's it's a real moment to think well what what computer am i getting next and you know it's i suspect apple knows about that pressure and i uh, you have to assume they'll live up to it cuz it it is fundamentally just another mac but there's a lot i think there's a lot of pressure on that product Control-Alt-Delete is supported by City Cards with Android Pay. How cool is it that we live in a world where you can use the same device to listen to Control-Alt-Delete and buy your morning coffee, groceries, and more? And did I mention it's a super fast way to pay? Just use your City Card with Android Pay at the register. Get in, get it, get going. Download the Android Pay app on Google Play or visit city.com slash Android Pay to get started. Android Pay is available for eligible City consumer credit and debit cards. Okay, well, real quick, there's one more thing we got to talk about before we end. All right. And I, I saw you and Dieter talking about it in the edit process on the column. It didn't make it in the column because it's so weedy, but I think it's so silly that we should bring it up, which is this keyboard has like the craziest branding ever. Because oh, yes. Logitech is Logitech, <laughs> but the keyboard is branded Logi. A year ago, they said they were changing the whole company to Logi, and that seems to have just disappeared. Yeah. Uh, what, what's going on there? Uh, I asked them about it, and they were, uh, you know, they're, I've dealt with them forever. Yeah, Watch that's e been around forever. 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 Yeah, they've been around forever. Mossberg's been around forever. We've been dealing with each other forever. <laughs> and I, I, and, you know, people change, but I've generally liked them. They couldn't give me a really sensible answer except to say, yeah, well, it's on some of our products, but it's really – our company is clearly Logitech. And the funny thing about this was if you look at the keyboard, particularly whether it's closed or open, there are two places, I think, two, where it says Logi. And it doesn't say Logitech anywhere on it. But if you look at the box, <laughs> it doesn't say Logi, yeah. but it does say in giant letters Logitech. Same with the website. The website yeah. says Logitech. So I don't know. I think they're pretty confused about the brand. Then they have other brands, right? Because they have a speaker that I think we just – somebody on our team – Yeah, the Boom, the UE Boom. Yeah, UE. UE yeah, is, Ultimate Ears. is a speaker brand. Uh, and and I don't know. Yeah. I just the, think – The Boom the, is a great speaker. If you're in the market, that's the one to buy. 
That's the one to buy. This keyboard is the one to buy. But forget about Logi. Just forget (laughs) about it. The first Logitech product I ever bought, and this association is so strong, is like I was a kid in the literally like the pre-graphic interface era, and my mom brought home a laptop with no mouse. It was a a DOS laptop. Oh, yeah. And we had to buy, we had to go to the store, the computer store. There was no, like, Best Buy back then. And buy this, like, clip-on track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to review those. (laughs) I mean, those. It was literally the first Logitech product I've ever bought. Can I just say to you listeners who who do not, who are are young, and therefore you are our future, and I'm (laughs) thrilled to have you. Uh, but you don't remember everything. I want to tell you something. Laptops started with no mouse equivalent. Yeah. There was nothing built into it that would move the cursor. And you might say, that's insane. But <laughs> it was true. And so you bought a little clip-on mouse. And it literally clipped onto the side of the laptop, had a cord plugged into, wasn't USB, I think it was, uh, what, uh, yes, that's serial. I think this one is serial. serial or uh, PS2. I think was the other one. Yeah, well, whatever. And yeah. I think I think Microsoft made one. Yeah. I think I know Logitech made them, and a number of other people made them. And I, computer historians, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Apple may have done the first laptop with a built-in cursor control device, but it was a trackball. Yeah. It was it was depressed into the where the where the touchpads are now on laptops and but when you close the cover it still closed flat because it had like a depression on both ends and then they then they uh, switched to some sort of touchpad or I don't know what they switched to yeah they switched they, to the, from the trackball to the trackpad it was with the uh the PowerBook 500 was the first right but I, I but, had a PowerBook it was a beautiful computer it was beautiful I still have one in my little computer museum but the the clip-on mice yeah you bought that from Logitech that's what Logitech's been around forever and they they almost went bankrupt when they put out a Google TV box there was it was a oh the that was product. That, that was and, terrible but now that their was, back is Logi so their back is Logi I personally just I uh, here here's a little advice because I know we both know really in our hearts that Tim Cook listens to our podcast <laughs> of course he does faithfully Tim. By Logitech. Ooh, that's a move. What do you Th- think? That's a move. I mean, how much could it cost them, really? It couldn't. It wouldn't cost them anything. They would. Uh, I don't think Beats makes speak. Well, they make the Beats pill, but they would get that whole. Yeah, you know, they'd company. figure it out. They'd figure it out. And then they would make. They would start making Harmony Universal remotes. Uh, and I would. Har- lo- I would love for Apple to just walk into that division. Well, they could use. They could even if they they didn't make the product, they could use the engineers behind it. No, I'm yeah. saying I'm saying if if Apple buys Logitech, they should literally find the people who make the Harmony remotes and just just let them go. Just be like, you know what, we're going to take this up. Right, and they should take these keyboard <laughs> people and say, fix the MacBook, yeah. fix the iPad Pro oh, keyboard. Just let's do it. We're you know? starting a rumor here. All right, you that's heard it here we're first. Buying it. Apple, yeah. Apple to buy Logitech. All right, that's we should both tweet that right after this. Right after the show. Apple to buy Logitech. Says podcast ending ending on a note of extreme extreme craziness. Uh, sadly, however, that is all the time we have. But there's an endless amount of other things to listen to. I'm actually I'm going to my 10 year law school reunion this week, so I'm not on the Vergecast, but that'll come out on Friday uh, this week. Wait, Cri- wait. We should yeah. also say Control Walt Delete is going on a two week hiatus. Yes. 
because I am going on a two-week hiatus, which is sometimes called vacation. <laughs> uh, in, Walt, where are you going? I'm going to Brexit land. Yeah, so all of our British listeners, find find Walt. He'll be wandering through. No, don't country. find me. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> Leave great. me alone so that I can so that I can be be happy about gadgets. <laughs> yeah, Walt's gonna go find himself in the north of England. If you see him, just give him some space. He's he's. What are you doing? You're you're centering yourself. Uh, exactly. Anyhow, uh, so we're off for two weeks. Vergecast Fridays. What's tech with Chris Plant? Uh, Emily and Liz, great show. Virgie SP, which is actually recording in this booth right after I, I walk out of it. Lauren Good has Too Embarrassed to Ask on the Recode Network. Kara Swisher has Recode Decode. And Peter Kafka has Recode Media, which is wonderful. So tons of stuff to listen to, even during the two weeks that we're depriving you of control. Delete. Please, please keep tweeting at us. We love it, though. Especially love the intros, love suggestions. Uh, I love the fact that our audience pushed Walt to turn off motion smoothing. That's... That's I, I just I love how much we interact with with all of well, you. Well, so. wasn't it the director of the next Star Wars movie? Yes, Ryan Johnson's tweeting at Walt. Yeah, he tweeted at me. He said, "I've been reading you for years. I'm a big fan, but really, motion smoothing? No." I thought, well, I, I mean, Eli is one thing, but this guy, <laughs> yeah, he's like a real talent. You gotta listen yeah. to him. Right. Oh, that was great. Yeah, it was absolutely hilarious. So yeah, tons of stuff to listen to. Tweet at us. Go on iTunes. Give us five stars. Send us notes. Talk to us. And we will be back in two weeks. Have a good vacation, Walt. Thank you, Neil. I'll miss you.